Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast with host Elizabeth Myers, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Tune in weekly to learn how to have a winning life by building a strong spirit, soul, and body. Hello, welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast today, where we talk about how to win at life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and I am so excited to have our guest on the show today, Dr. Liz Bataille. She is the author of Life Launch, and she has quite an incredible story to share with us today. Um, we talk about resiliency, and this is a woman who has resiliency. She has <laughs> been through a lot, and she really has some great nuggets of wisdom to share with us. So thank you, Dr. Liz, for being on the show today. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so <laughs> glad to be here and share some things with your listeners and um, be in the early stages of your podcast. I'm really excited to be here mm -hmm. in sort of the, you know, the top grid <laughs> of your, starting your journey, your journey. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, definitely. So can you just give our listeners like a little overview of, you know, where you are currently, you know, uh, what you do, where, mm -hmm. where you can be reached online, things like that? Sure. Um, so I currently am doing, um, writing. <laughs> um, and I, I really started that about a year and a half ago. I, I wrote my first book and published it through Amazon. And as you know, our host uh, mentioned, it, it's called Life Launch. And that is the beginning of the, the subtitle is Surviving the Storms of Physical and Sexual Abuse. And because um, there is another Life Launch book out there that is in the healing um, categories uh, from many years ago that that was published. And mm -hmm. um, and so I've been, you know, getting my word out, getting my message out um, from the book for the last year or so. And I've started started speaking on some podcasts in the last three months. And um, I also am in the clinical medical field. Um, I'm in laboratory medicine. And so I also do that part time. I've been consulting and have had a coronavirus lab recently. So that kept me busy. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Yeah, and some other stuff with DNA um, mm -hmm. and assigning risk for patients that are, have, have cancer and other things like mm -hmm. that, so. Yeah, so what's so, fascinating about your story is you have so many different ways that you can relate to people and the struggles that they're going through. So I know we don't have time to talk about your whole story today. Maybe we'll, we'll have you on again later for part yeah. two. Um, but could you just, just for the listener's sake, kind of go through maybe a, a list-ish of, um, you know, the various experiences you've had, because there's probably people out there who can relate to one or two of these. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Thank you for that um, invitation. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the book covers the first 25 years of my life. And as you said, yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very long and involved. Um, the audiobook is like five hours long. And um and so, but I wanted to kind of hit on some highlights because I, I organized the book into sort of four major sections. Mm -hmm. And after each section, I um, sort of kind of bring each section to a little close by sharing um, a prayer that I feel like I've gotten out of that you know, piece of my life or that those experiences that I went through and then a meditation 
and then the the life lesson, like the big life lesson in mm -hmm. that section. And um, so I, I thought I could probably just go through a, a few of those with you. And yeah. I wanted to mention about, you know, the prayer and meditation component, because I did hear your your last guest on your mm -hmm. interview last week. She, I did hear her mention that. Mm -hmm. And it is really important for me in my life. Um, I learned that prayer is me talking to my higher power, who whom mm -hmm. I choose to call God. Um, and meditation is me listening. And that's mm -hmm. That's really important because so many times before I learned that, which I didn't really learn that until towards the end of my book at that stage in my life after 25, mm -hmm. um, that is, that's where I'm going to get the answers. You know, besides mm -hmm. that, it's just me talking all the time, you know, <laughs> and I'm not really learning. Yeah. So I think that's the first like resiliency right. hack. Yeah. It's, it's about a relationship, right? Not just a one-sided conversation. Yeah, and I know we. I, I've I've studied a little bit in. Um, uh, well, I forget what it's called now, but you know we 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 fill up, you know, God's cup as well as He fills up our cup. You know, we need to reflect back the goodness and the spirit and the strength and all of that stuff back to our mm -hmm. higher powers because you know His or her its you know cup also runs down as well. Mm -hmm. So anyway um but yeah so in my in my experience as you heard from the title of the book so i experienced uh quite a few uh basically um traumatic um you know uh i i guess i guess that i had these traumatic experiences my um i grew up in a large family um six girls and one boy and my mom and dad so there were like nine people in the house for <laughs> you know the first 12 yeah. years um two of my sisters are like yeah right i know <laughs> we did share that together before mm -hmm. but it was also very dysfunctional um my my mom had experienced some sexual abuse and it, it, a lot of this stuff i found out later you know all i was experiencing when i was five six and seven was my mom and dad fighting all the time they physically fought all the time and i, I did want to mention you know my my audience because my book is really about my life and it goes through all of my stages my audience really starts in the early teens because that was really when you know, when I was 12 years old, that's when I really started getting into the drugs and the alcohol. And, mm -hmm. um, but I had started experiencing sexual abuse earlier than that, or what I believe was sexual abuse in, in certain cases from my fa own family members. Mm -hmm. And um, so how did, how did I get through those things? And I, I, I interspersed throughout my book writing journey that I'm sharing with everybody is I enter, I intersperse what I call my saving graces, you know, mm -hmm. because any yeah. one of these things that I experienced, and it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because I thought about it and I said, I've experienced, I did end up making a list, Liz, mm -hmm. I made a list. It's about 50 items long. It's in my free resources on my website that we'll give everybody at the end of the show. Mm -hmm made a list of all of the traumas that I experienced. There's, yeah. there's over 50 of them, individual wow. traumas like rape, you know, mm -hmm. 
this, that, the other thing, you know, alcoholism. So, uh, and the title of my book is Physical and Sexual Abuse, because some of the physical abuse isn't just domestic violence acting against me or my parents being overly aggressive with the, uh, whatever they call it, punishment, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whatever they call that spanking. Um, but worse than that, it's it's also me abusing myself with the alcohol and the drugs. That's type yeah. of physical abuse as well. So it's a it's a shorter title, but it really covers so many things. Yeah. But you know, um, my saving graces, and that's what I, I kind of want to share with you on this yeah. on this platform because that's really my resiliency life hacks. I call them mm-hmm. saving graces, but they fit in with your. So mm-hmm. the first thing is is that you know my mom did, even though she was a big one of the rageaholic people in my life, um, she did do some things that were extremely good for me. And and that's why I turned out so well, I think (laughs) the saving graces. So one of them was she did take me to church. Um, At that time we were Christian and I, I practiced Christianity for the first 33 years of my life. And um, having a relationship with God was important to me. Um, I did later uh, move away from that religion. I, I'm still in a monotheistic religion and I still have a relationship with God, the same relationship that I had when I was Christian as well. Um, but, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a different, you know, set of external things that I go through that I'm more comfortable with, but, uh, may, may have also been because one of my abuses was perpetrated by the minister, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at my particular uh place of worship but um that was one of you know like like i said there have been many instances of of that type of thing so anyway um yes so prayer and meditation talking to my higher power i did have a spiritual experience when i was uh got arrested. No, I didn't get arrested. It was the first broken bone that I had. Mm -hmm. And I was about 15 and I was actually buying drugs from a person across the street from my school and running them across the street, literally running them with my, me and my my, pot, them in my pocket to sell them to some of my friends that were waiting for me. And I got hit by a car and I had this spiritual experience at that moment where a voice actually spoke to me out loud. It sounded like it was out loud, like everybody could hear it, but mm-hmm. I, I learned pretty quickly that it was in my head. And it was my God talking to me and telling me that what I was doing was wrong. And that's basically why he knocked me down. Um, I did break a bone. <laughs> yeah, he did get my attention. And I, I I call my higher power him just because, you know, that's what I've always done, you know, in my lifetime. So I hope that doesn't distract anybody that's listening to this. But um, but uh, sometimes I try to say it or he or she or whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was a male's voice. And it was, you know, it was like a father, you know, like a father telling me that I did wrong and don't ever do that again. And I didn't ever do that again. I never, ever uh, sold drugs after that. Um, I did buy them, you know, I had that journey still to go through for 10 more years, but anyway, so that was like the beginning part of it. And, um, uh, so prayer, meditation, a relationship with a higher power. And then I had music. Music was a big savings grace for me. My mother started me on the piano. 
I participated in chorus. I've been a singer and um, I started college in music. And then I went on to, um, you know, more biology and got my doctorate in that field. But I was originally going to go into music for uh, music therapy. So, you know, this this uh, new sort of life of mine with sharing my message of hope and healing. And, you know, my message is very similar to yours in that it's a three part, you know, for mind, mind, body, and spirit. And my spirit, I explain in my course is spirit slash soul, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all of that other ethereal part. And um, so, you know, music was a big part of sort of the, the mental, emotional, and sometimes physical healing as well, because I incorporated dance with music yeah. and the physical movement of dance. And I was able to escape through music big time. And of course, I escaped through drugs as well. But I was able to escape through music once I put those down and, um, and, and not be using something else. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, education, you know, school, it was also a, an escape for me to get away from the trauma of my home life. And I also was getting positive attention at school. So I excelled mm -hmm. in school. And that's another reason why mm -hmm. I went on for my doctorate, because um, it was always something that brought joy to me because I could do well at it and I could get attention that way. And it was positive attention mm -hmm. rather than, you know, getting uh, getting hit for doing bad things at the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But um but yes, and I wanted to bring up another big thing that happened to me that was instrumental. I mentioned the age of 12. What happened to me a month before I turned 12 was my brother who I mentioned in the beginning was my only male sibling. Mm -hmm. I had five sisters. He was killed in a car accident. Mm -hmm. It wasn't instantaneous. He was in a semi-comatose state for 30 days. Um, he w They were hit by a drunk driver. He was sitting behind the driver in the back seat, and that's exactly where they hit him. And he went out the window sideways like that head first. Um, that I was, I was three weeks from turning 13, and I was two weeks from getting my period, which I didn't know at the time. I... Uh, I was devastated and I prayed during that 30 days that he was in the hospital. I had a real shake in my faith during that time period because I was going to Sunday school regularly and I knew that God would answer my prayers. And so it was whenever more than one of you, one or more of you gather in my name, your prayers will be answered. That was the promise that I read about in the Bible. And I believed that. And so I would pray with all of my friends and my family and I knew that he was going to make it through and he didn't and he died. And I was mad at God for a long time about that. Um, and then my Sunday school teacher told me one day, you know, it says that your prayer will be answered. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the answer that you want. That you want. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. <laughs> that was, you know, in my grief you know, same thing. Mm -hmm. I cried out mm -hmm. to God and I felt abandoned. And, but part yeah. of my growth through that process is to realize that my relationship with God is not meant to be this transactional relationship where if I do X, Y, and Z and I don't do ABC, then life will be all roses and sunshine, <laughs> right. you know, but just that deeper faith and that deeper relationship with God. It's interesting mm -hmm. to me too, how, you know, you grew up with this trauma in your life. And so just, um, naturally you you develop these different coping 
mechanisms and different ways to deal with that. Obviously, as you described, some were healthy and some were not. Right. Um, but, you know, even that's just, you know, a way to process or escape from, and you know, all these things that were going on. But before we go further, I just want to say, I am so sorry for all the things that you have endured. I know that doesn't help heal at all, but, uh, you know, I just want to express my compassion uh, to you and my respect for you for all that you have survived. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And, 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 and again, back to, you know, the reason why I'm on your podcast and why I've been trying to get my message out there is just so that it can reach somebody else. Um, because from the age of 15 to 25, I wanted to kill myself. And that's part of my story is, um, suicidal ideation. And I had people around me that had taken their lives. Um, and I found out many years later that it actually was in my family line as well. My great grandmother ended her life in the, in the late twenties, early thirties. They believe that was postpartum depression. I have a first cousin who is two years older than me. She ended her life in when I was 21, she was 23. I had to come back from my honeymoon, my first marriage a little bit early because she took her life and we came back for the funeral. Mm -hmm. um, and then in, in my second book, which you have already heard a little bit about on my, one of my previous podcasts, I, I, uh, I, I, my third marriage, my husband, who was the father of my only child, and um, he ended his life and my, our son was only two years old. And so, you know, how did I get through all of these things? Well, the last thing that I kind of want to say about this part of my story, as I, I know that we're, you know, already getting past the halfway point with your time is that at the age of 25, and I mentioned, I started wanting to end my life or have the suicidal ideation at 15. I share about it all in my book again, so that I've actually already helped some some of my friends, some people that I've given the book to and, and directed them to the book and they've gotten it. They've called me up and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about ending my life right now. And I thought you might be able to help me because oh, wow. I read about it in your book. And yeah. so that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here and I'm sharing my message with anybody that I can because and I love your platform because it is about resiliency. It's about recognizing that this too shall pass, you mm -hmm. know, and we are promised that. But the thing is, we got to hang in there and you got to grab onto whatever it is that you're going to, that you can grab onto to get you over that hump. And for me, it was all these things, you know, it was God, mm -hmm. it, it was religion and spirituality and music and education and teachers and the, the people that were the, what I call you know, my heroes in my book and I, mm -hmm. and I list some of them. Um, but at the age of 25, after 10 years and using the drugs and the alcohol, what happened for me, this critical point and this turning point in my life where my book ends, book one ends is that I came into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not sure if you realize it or not, but it is actually based upon a Christian group. Um, I, I, right now, because I'm nervous, I'm, I'm not remembering. I think oh, yeah. I remembered it. It's called the Oxford group. Okay. And, uh, they do say that it is not, you know, a religious based organization in our preambles and stuff. And it's a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. 
And that's why we try to talk about a higher power and try not to give it a, a, a male or a female pronoun um, because we want to reach everybody. We don't want to we don't want to leave people out that are trying to save their life from drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I came into AA first and then within 30 days, I came into NA as well because I was using marijuana mostly at that age. I was 25 by then. And um, I had at least, you know, moved off of everything else, thank God, and and was not using everything, anything else but but marijuana then at that point. But I still had that history and I still had that personality. Mm -hmm. And so God and, and a higher power is at the center of healing uh, from addiction of any sort. And so that went along with the healing. For me, I, I was able to get into healing a lot of those other aspects of my life through related programs that are all kind of grouped in the in the bucket of 12-step programs. And, and the last thing that I want to share is uh, before, you know, sort of ending my story is, is that when I was asked through this, this class that you and I have been part of, is what's the one thing, you know, that you feel like is your primary message? And my one thing for me is hope. Because, you know, when I always, I always felt like I was a hopeful person, I always felt like I was a positive person, even though all these things happened to me. And I was diagnosed with some level of depression in my early 20s, like a little black cloud was following me around. But I still, a lot of people thought I was one of these upbeat and positive people. And I felt like I was. But when my, when my husband ended his life, I mean, you know, that was really, you know, my world ended for me at that point. And I did lose hope. And I was uh, 12 years clean when I think I was more than that. When he ended his life, I was 10. Actually, I was more like 17 years clean because we'd been married for about five years. I think I had 12 years when we met. He had about five years clean and I had 17 years clean and sober. And, and I had a little baby, you know, he was two years and 10 months old. We, we had this beautiful little bundle of joy. And um, I, I had no problem with hope. And then when my husband did what he did, uh, I lost all hope. And mm -hmm. it took me 10 years, Elizabeth, yeah. to get back onto the other side of that, which brought me up to about two years before I decided to start writing the book. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to live my life. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy my life anymore. And I didn't want to live my life. You know, I didn't want to yeah. end it. I wasn't, I wasn't suicidal because I knew I had to live for my son and I knew I had mm -hmm. to take care of him. And thank God I wasn't contemplating mm -hmm. those things, but I wasn't living it, you know, right. The way that I had been before, I wasn't out loud living my life, and I definitely didn't enjoy my life. Yeah, and uh, I just did all these things in the healing resources that I have for your for your audience that are free on my website. I have a list of about thirty five or forty healing resources that I did, not what I heard about somebody else did work for them. These are all things that I did, whether it involves the mind, the body, or the spirit. These are things that I did that worked for me. And I can't say any one thing except for all of those things at some point ended up with getting my hope back. And I, I 
tried one last thing, another thing that I had never tried before. It was something on the list. I don't want to just mention it because it's not like that was the all powerful thing, but mm -hmm. I did something January of 2016. My husband died in 2005, October. So it was over 10 years and I did this thing and it was again, another therapy that I'd never tried before. And finally the dark cloud was lifted and, you know, and thank God, and I do say thank God, because for me, it was my higher power that finally brought hope back into my life. And I really feel like if there's one thing that I want to share with people, it's hope, because I really do think that if you have to pick one thing, that is the difference between life and death for me. Yeah, that, that is critical. You're right. And I, I've yeah. been in that place, too, where I lost my hope. Interestingly, I'm working on my second book. And I'm yeah. working today. I'm working on the chapter about hope. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was just—I was just talking about you know that depression is the diminishing of hope. And when we get to the point of having you know suicidal thoughts, that's like really just saying there is no hope. There's no point in right. living longer and and holding on to that hope and and grabbing onto that as our anchor is so important. When we were in uh, survival training, I went to the military academy, but they told us uh, part of the training was, and I don't remember exactly, but it was like, you could go three weeks without food and three days without water, three minutes without air and th three seconds without hope. And, um, you know, they said that like prisoners of war, uh, you know, people who were together in prison, they, they could tell exactly who would pass away next because as soon as they gave up hope, they, they went away. And, um, it is, I mean, even without, you know, without, doing anything to themselves. It's just, you give up hope and, and you feel like there's not a reason to live. But I, I love, you have so many things to share with so many different people, you know, whether right. they're dealing with uh, domestic uh, abuse or substance abuse for them or a loved one, you know, all these different things um, where you can speak to that. And also I, you know, I can imagine like um, there's a, a lot of things I could relate to. And some of that I, you know, I haven't experienced those things. So I'm like, wow, if she can overcome all those things, you know, then, then my one or two little things, you know, that does increase hope just yeah. that you're still here and life is still worth living. And, um, mm -hmm. I do think that's so critical. The, uh, you, you say higher power, you know, I say God, but I, we can't do it alone and, and right. there is no hope just in ourselves. So, that's um, right. I, I think, uh, we need that power to, to mm -hmm. overcome these things in our lives. Amen. I do agree with that for sure. I would mm -hmm. not have been able to do any of this stuff alone. And, and for me, my higher power works through people as well. You know, people like you, some of these other podcasts that I've listened to and through the years, you know, the friends and the, and the mentors and the, and the fellows in, in for me, the fellows in AA and NA, you know, that are, that are all struggling with basically a similar thing in this disease of addiction. And, um, you know, I, I'll hear the message that I need to hear from them. And, um, so for me, you know, I went, you were talking about timelines and three minutes, three days, whatever. Yeah. I went 10 plus years without hope yeah. and it was, it was horrible. It yeah. was horrible. And I was still maintained as best as I could, uh, and a career, you know, and mm -hmm. for me, sometimes my, my brain and my intellect and the education, like I said, it was an escape for me that has continued to be a mental shelter for me is, uh, 
if I'm in my brain, I'm not in my emotions. Mm. And uh, so I, I used to jokingly say, um, the number of degrees that I have, because I'm three credits short of an associate, and I have a bachelor's, and yeah. I have a master's, and I have a doctorate. So I used to tell people, they'd be like, God, you know, like you did a lot of school. And I'd say, well, the number of degrees yeah. that I have is a, is a reflection <laughs> of my ability to be able to avoid myself. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to a degree, again, you know, if it, I've been able to just put on hold. I had two divorces before I married my third husband, who ended his life. Um, I was in the middle of a master's and in the middle of a divorce. And, you know, I would just say, oh, I can't emote right now. I have to take yeah. an exam, you know, or I have to yeah. study for an exam. And I would just do that. So, you know, we have different survival skills and some of them are not healthy. Some mm -hmm. of them are, you know, for me, I just think that education, I don't think there's any way that education can be an unhealthy survival skill. Yeah. But, you know, some people do the TV or, you know, which may, may not be a great one. You know, if you do it to excess, some people do the lifting weights. As long mm -hmm. as you don't injure yourself, that may be a positive one. Like I said, listen. I did running. <laughs> yeah, running, you know. Again, any of these things we can take to another level and maybe hurt ourselves in doing it too much. But, you know, um, there are there are good survival skills, more or less, and, and sort of more positive and more negative survival skills. And mm -hmm. so I would encourage people to, to try to get into the ones that are going to help you mm -hmm. rather than hurt you. Because if you use the ones that are going to hurt you, then you're going to have another problem when you get <laughs> right. over the problem yeah. that you were avoiding. <laughs> so that's you might that's as a well, very good right? point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might as well deal with it head on. There's another resiliency hack for your listeners. There you go. You know? Re reduce the obstacles you have to overcome in the future by making right. a good choice today. <laughs> right. While yeah. you're trying to reduce your obstacles so it right, doesn't right. become a you know, negative spiral. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So. so just, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, but like what, what would be like your final message to, to listeners today who are maybe struggling with a burden that's gotten too heavy, maybe it's been a secret, maybe it's still fresh and raw. Um, you know, what, what's that thing you can give to that person in the moment experiencing pain uh, that would, you know, encourage them to continue on in hope? Yeah. So the first thing is sharing the burden. A, a burden shared is a burden cut in half. And mm -hmm. I do believe that I'm here today, if not for nothing, if not for anything else, it's been because I've shared whatever it was at the time with either somebody else or with my higher power um, or both. Um, you know, I, I, again, I feel like prayer is extremely important and then meditation and listening for the answer. Um, if you're not comfortable with going to another human being about it, but then in recovery, that's our primary thing is, is sharing the burdens that we have that are making us want to use um, with God, myself first, getting mm -hmm. honest with myself first. Yeah. That's the hardest then, part. Yes. Then with my higher power. So they actually mm -hmm. put the higher power second. And then they do ask us to share it with one other human being. And that person is usually called our sponsor. And, um, and uh, I can tell you that I have avoided uh, re relapsing even if I didn't reach out to another human being just through just through prayer and meditation and then doing 
what I needed to do to commune with my higher power and just drive by the bar, you know, just drive mm-hmm. by whatever on my way to, you know, let me talk to God about this first. And then I talk mm-hmm. to God and then the urge goes away. So, you know, I have been able to save my life either through that or certainly uh, other people have saved, helped me save my life as well by reaching back once I reached mm-hmm. out to them by telephone yeah. or or whatever. So in this time of coronavirus, when we're all socially distancing, I'm encouraging people to get connected virtually. Yes. Don't stay at home and isolate and just watch TV and wallow there. Get connected through, you know, live video chats on whatever platform, you know, Google has their own thing now. There's a lot of free stuff out there. Zoom is free for just one or two people. Um, And, um, Facebook lives, all this stuff, stay connected. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like it's becoming negative, like sometimes they say about Facebook and people wanting to get, I don't go onto things, social media for likes. You know, I go there to learn. I go there to read. I go there to connect with people. And, um, and as long as you don't, you know, take it personally or let people bully you, uh, I just stay away from the spirit suckers. I call them spirit to ignore. Yeah. 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 No one to keep scrolling. <laughs> don't get stuck. Yes, but don't doom scroll. <laughs> don't doom scroll. And yeah. um, so I, I would also seek out also the other thing I want to add. I know you said one thing kind of, but uh, just as you and I were doing, you know, laughter, try to find ways. When my husband first ended his life, I the only thing that I could read were the Psalms in the Bible. I couldn't even read. I was a big reader of books every night. I couldn't read anything except for Psalms. So mm-hmm. thank God for that. And on TV, I couldn't do anything at all unless it was something that was somewhat going to make me laugh. And I was very fortunate that Stephen Colbert had just come out with his Colbert report. It was 2005. And, um, and I was able, I was able to start watching that. And, um, it was the only thing that made me start to smile again, you know, after a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I did this sort of navigation through these things more or less by myself, my sisters and my mom. Again, I had five sisters and my mom. That's six women because my dad's are, had already passed six days a week out of the seven. One sister or my mom called me once per day. And then each week they each drew straws or volunteered for who was going to call me twice. And they called me every night, seven nights a week for about the first two months after my husband passed away. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me out a lot, the talk therapy. And I didn't mm-hmm. have to pay anybody for it. Yeah. So uh, that would mm-hmm. be what I would say again, is making the connection yeah. and try to, if you can, just try to find some humor or something that makes you laugh because that is very healing and that's gives us hope. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think we were created for community and just like you said we're supposed to share our burdens and that's mm-hmm. especially painful in this time where so many people are divided over so many things and yeah. really at the core we're all just hurting in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. Um but that was a a problem I struggled with too cuz I I felt bad about being depressed. And so I hit it and I, you know, I tried to fake it and tried to pretend like everything was okay. But you know, what I, what I share with people is when, when you take that 
ugly thing that you don't like or you don't want to face and you drag it out into the light, it shrinks. Yes. You know, it's now yeah. I, I talk about, you know, when I had depression, anxiety all the time, because that's part of my my ministry. And it, you know, it every time I do, it's just still, you know, lifting off more of the burden. It's it's taking this negative aspect of my life and and turning that around to help other people. And there's there's healing in that, even ongoing healing for me too. And mm -hmm. um so I, I think right. that's very wise of you. Thanks for sharing that. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, give us uh, your website and uh, you know what resources you have for them. Yeah, so I'm on. I'm on. Uh, my website is www.drlizlifelaunch.com, and I think you're going to put that on the notes right mm -hmm. of the show. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook, and it's Dr. Liz Bataille. I'm on LinkedIn. It's also Dr. Liz Bataille or Lizette L I Z E T T E. I'm not sure, <laughs> um, but yes, and you can find all those links on my website as well, and you can get your free healing resources on my website. It's listed as that. Just click on the link. It will uh, it will um, put your email onto my email list and then you will get notifications when I'm going to publish my second book as well. Okay. You can also find my book on Amazon and that's also through my website as well. You can find the book there or you can just Google Dr. Liz Life Launch on Amazon and it'll come up. It's an ebook, a print book a softback and an audio book that's on over 40 different audio book platforms as well. If you don't want to yes. read it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, those are all available. Okay. And I will put all those links in the show notes so that people can access that. Thank you for providing that free gift to our listeners. That's awesome. And um, yeah, I know that even just hearing your story, so many people can be uplifted and encouraged of all that you've survived and and now thrived through, you know, mm -hmm. it's just such an encouragement to them that they can overcome what they're going through and that there is still always a reason to hope. Amen. And so yeah. thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us. You're um, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. I appreciate the opportunity. So thank, thank you to all of our listeners and everyone who is tuned in with us today. If you haven't done so already, please head over to iTunes and give us a like and a review. That really helps us spread this message of hope and healing that we want to share with others and gets this information out to other people. And I also wanted to just remind you, this is the last week to sign up for the Women's Self-Care Conference. Um, it's actually ongoing this week. So I think Friday or Saturday is the last day that you can actually get in on it. Um, you can go to tinyurl slash selfcarewithliz. So that's T-I-N-Y dot URL slash selfcarewithliz. And you have two Liz's on the show today. So it's doubly <laughs> <laughs> relevant. So yes. thank you very much. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>